1: Hey, Brett! Look at this. What? Look, look at your hands. <laughs> this is insane. We're 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 animated. I love this. Look at it. Look at it in the background. You see that big story. You know what that is, Brett? That. Is the Ultimart. I am excited to tell you guys, you guys out there, that we are finally, years ago, Brett and I worked on an animated show. And Brett, what's it called? Shoes and Beef. Shoes and Beef. Shoes and Beef. Friends for Life. And they live in the Ultimart. They walk around the Ultimart, which is a store where everything has come alive. And we are excited to tell you guys about Shoes and Beef. It's coming. To this channel, make sure that you guys are sticking around, tuning around, looking around, beefing around, choosing around, beef, 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 shoe, shoes, shoes, beef, 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 beef and shoes, shoes, friends for life. That was very good, Brett. Thank you. <clears throat> What's going on, everybody? It's a special Tuesday episode. Normally, I don't do the Tuesday episodes, but we have a very special Tuesday episode. There's some DC news that dropped up top, and that's going to be uh, Black Adam set to lose around 50 to maybe 100 million. So I was off on that one. That's part one. Part two is The Flash gets pushed up a week. So they're definitely going forward and you know they start leaning into that one pretty soon. But this episode is one that's a little special to me because, as you guys may or may not know, um, my world for a long time was stand-up comedy and it was it was my job it was everything i did and the comedy store was my base it was where i lived it's where i met a lot of my friends and and i um and i i, I hold it very dearly in my heart so one of the comedians that came up after i had left was fortune phemster who you know from whether it's a mini project but she's got a few um, netflix specials and she's got one out now called good fortune And I had an opportunity to have a conversation with her and talk to her, and we just talked about stand-up the whole entire time and and just how relatable her stuff is. And I had heard, because Mark Ellis had told me about her and how nice of a person she is, she's an absolute sweetheart, man. Just a really, you can just tell, just like a good down-to-earth person, and I always root for good people to do well, and she's doing really well. So we had a really good conversation about that, and at the end she told me about a project she's working on. You can see me geek out about it. The second you hear the name of who she's working with, you're going to see me kind of light up. So anyway, it's a really fun conversation, so I hope you enjoy the episode today. I'm excited. And if you haven't already done it, make sure you subscribe to the channel. Come on, do that, will you? Subscribe, hit that button. Hit that button. Let's get to 70,000. I'm going to have an avatar out of the theater reaction today, probably around what the hell time. I'm going to see it today it'll be probably 4 p.m 4 30 p.m or so on this channel we'll get the out of the theater reaction for avatar the way of water so look forward to that subscribe comment definitely on this particular video like subscribe do all that now yes obviously as you see that we're going to cover the dc stories but i want to do more interviews with people in the entertainment business that's not just Part of the stuff that we, whether it's the comic book movies or Star Wars or those types of things, I want to. I really want to dive into the stand-up comedy world because, like I said, I have a. It was. It was my thing. It's where without stand-up comedy, I don't think I have any of this stuff. So, uh, including my my family, I met my wife, while I was doing stand-up comedy. So, um, I really would like to see if you guys enjoy it, watch it, uh, leave comments, and click like because it helps me, and it also shows Netflix that hey. This guy's audience actually wants to hear comedians, so we're going to send him some more. Anyway, uh, once again, make sure that you are subscribed to the channel. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere podcasts are found. The merch right now is doing great. Sith Council, big thing. Um, all we're putting a new shirt up there soon. The You Don't Know Shit shirt's going to be up there. But it's not, it doesn't say S-H-I-T, so you can wear it in public. So it's a poop emoji. Anyway, all right, let's get into it. It is the big thing with myself, some DC news, a Fortune Feimster coming at you. Here we go. Let's do it. It's the big thing. Special episode, ladies and gentlemen. Come on. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Special Tuesday episode again of the big thing. Thank you guys so much for all the support and everything, too. I know that has been it's December... So really, what are we only going to have Avatar out as far as the big movies come? To my Knives Out, Last Onion review. I not shit about that. That happens. Um, but the big thing episode's been doing really well. So the council's doing really well. And we're getting ready to move into that busy season once February hits. But like I said, on Tuesdays, I normally either, if I'm doing John's show or if I'm working on some stuff, catching up on emails, it's usually what Tuesday's for. Netflix reached out and they're like, hey, do you want to talk to Fortune Feimster about her new special that's on us? Like, are you kidding me? 100%. Sign me up. Let's do a special episode. Let's let the audience know. And, um, and that's what we did. So I pre-taped that. I'll show you that in a little bit. But I want to get to the, the news and stuff first. Because there's news. There's news. And the first story is you clicked on it here today and you want to know what the hell happened here. Black Adam, which I thought I thought would break even, and you and trust me, you guys will let me know it's not going to. Again, I, I get tagged on these articles, and you guys, everybody wants to prove everybody wrong. Well, I, okay, you prove me wrong. It's going to lose money. It's going to lose fifty to hundred million dollars apparently. And after seven weeks in the cinemas, this is from Dark Horizons. The Dwayne Johnson. Some dum dum told me, don't read. It's lazy to read." What the hell are you talking about? I read the story, you stupid ass, and then I and then I, and then I comment on it afterwards. That's the whole point? Don't read shit. Anyway, after 7 weeks in cinemas, the Dwayne Johnson led DC Comics adaptation Black Adam has pulled in 387 million globally. Variety reports that with a costly 195 million production budget and a worldwide marketing spend of 80 to 100 million, the film that promised to change the hierarchy of power in the DC universe may end up losing a bunch of money. The trade indicates that the film needed to earn around 600 million worldwide to break even, but box office Experts indicate the film will cost. Uh, excuse me, will close out its theatrical run with less than 400 million globally. As a result, it reportedly stands to lose 50 to 100 million on its theatrical release, according to the estimates of insiders and rival executives. Sources at Warner's dispute the numbers, telling the trade that the film will break even. They add the change to a shorter theatrical window. Uh, excuse me. They add that the change to a shorter theatrical window means the film's jump to PVOD cut costs on home video marketing whilst increasing revenue from via, uh, from via premium, premium pricing with estimates of a further 25 million gross there. Even so, Black Adam isn't a financial winner for Warners and joins. So, hey, if that's the case, by the way, if Warner Brothers is telling the truth, I was right, you humps, if they're telling the truth. We don't know if they're telling the truth or not, but if they are telling the truth, which is what made sense, that the stuff, as soon as it went to video on demand and other things, and they cut, the, the theatrical costs of of how long it was gonna run, I mean, then yeah, it's it by no means is the hit that they wanted to do that wanted to have it, but it I still think it could break even, so we don't know. It depends on who you believe. Do you believe the trade reports? Do you believe Warner Brothers who might be trying to, you know, cover their their hinders? Doesn't matter. Black Adam debuted to a sixty-seven million dollar opening on par with DC titles like Aquaman and Shazam. However, those films rode waves of much stronger reviews and had longer legs. Aquaman turned it into one point one billion hit, while the cost-effective Shazam quadrupled to its ninety million budget. Black Adam will end up with half the gross of the Batman. Which is seven hundred seventy million earlier this year, but at least it's faring better than one hundred sixty-five million grosses each of Wonder Woman nineteen eighty-four. That's not fair, pandemic stuff, and the Suicide Squad also pandemic stuff, which saw their performances okay, limited by the pandemic. Simultaneously, HBO Max debuts and uh, in W and Wonder Woman 1984's case, poor reviews, all true. All right, all right. Well, again. Not the hit that they wanted, so we can all agree on that. Whether you you believe Warner Brothers or not, I I, I believe them. Not only because it would make me right, but I believe them. I think that um that yeah they wanted to go longer. It wasn't pulling in the numbers, so then in order to make up the difference, they they put it out quicker. They they cut the theatrical run. They cut back on marketing. They probably saved some costs, which would make sense. I, I mean, I believe that that report. Didn't, not saying they're going to make a a profit on it. I still think they probably maybe lose a little bit of money, but I do believe that report. Either way, what they wanted and what Dwayne Johnson clearly wanted was a big, massive hit, and to get those legs like Aquaman. The problem is this: well, there's a lot of problems, but one of the main problems is this: the movie itself. I enjoyed. Not a lot of people enjoyed it because what I can say, even though I enjoyed it, it was generic. It was fun, very fun. I had a lot. I had a blast with it. It was generic, and it wasn't like really well written. It wasn't different. It wasn't. It didn't change the game, and that's what they needed to do. They needed to change the game. And they really needed it for people to lose their minds over it. And it wasn't. It was like a fun, old-school, 90s um, summer blockbuster film that's, for the most part, forgettable, and I hate saying that. I love Dwayne Johnson and everything, too, but it was forgettable. Um, I would like it. The music was awesome. I listen to music all the time, and I, I, I want to see another one. I don't think we probably will at this point. We probably will see him up here in one of the DC movies. Uh, unless he's, you know, um, scorned by this, because I think he's probably bummed, he wanted, you know, probably ego uh, ego shot too, because I still say it, and I said it last time, and people were disagreeing with me in the comments, and that's fine, um, I think that if it's not The Rock, this movie, A, doesn't really get made, and some people say, well, that's probably a good thing, because it didn't do very well. But I still think it doesn't make. I don't, I think that if you made this movie for the same budget with a different with a with a different actor, um, depending on well, depending on who the actor was, but most likely it makes it. It's a big loss, a bigger loss. I think that the fact of the way that he pushed it, he got people to see it, and then obviously the marketing of Henry Cavill coming back—that's going to be the big the big thing that everyone talks about—is Henry Cavill coming back. So, yeah, um, what do you guys think, man? Did you, did, do you think that this? I'm so curious with the opinions on it, on whether you think it was a loss, whether you think it was breaking even. And either way, I think what it means going forward, I don't think we see a sequel. I don't think we see a sequel. I don't think James Gunn wants to take that risk. I think Peter Saffron want to take that risk. Um, they're going to probably try to get him to appear in Shazam. If Shazam 2 does well, they'll probably have tried to appear in Shazam 3. But from rumors that he doesn't like Shazam, I don't know how it's going to go. But they got Cavill back, and he was able to, him and other people were able to get Cavill back. So that's a big win. But yeah, a bummer. Bummer for Dwayne Johnson. Bummer for everybody else and to, who, who was involved in it. But just uh, looks like it's not the hit they wanted it to be. Now, one that is, I think is going to be a big hit for them, obviously, is the Flash, man. Flash going to be huge. And it's so interesting because Ezra Miller. You know, all the stuff going on with Ezra Miller. But... It got moved up. They moved up The Flash. I think that's good news for it, and I also think it's probably something that Saffron and uh, and Gunn are probably pushing for as well. But apparently, again, Dark Horizons, Warner Brothers Pictures has reportedly moved up. The Ezra Miller-led The Flash film by a week to June 16th, just in time for Father's Day. This comes from Deadline. The film will now go up against Elemental from Pixar, and the Jennifer Lawrence-led R-rated drama No Heart Feelings. I don't think Elemental or The Flash will have too much problem against each other, the different audience, I think, or you families, and I think it'll be, I don't think it's going to be too much. Despite the tabloid headlines surrounding Miller, who issued a public apology for, for their their troubling behavior back in mid-August, Warner Brothers CEO David Zaslov has steadfastly stuck to the plan of releasing the film theatrically. Part of the reason is that the film has reportedly landed stellar test scores and is being dubbed Spider-Man No Way Home Good. I know, I've heard that. It's a film that boasts appearances by both Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck as Batman. Warner Brothers Pictures has also added mummies to its schedule with a February 24th, 2023 release date planned. Sean Bean and Hugh Bonneville led their voices to the project. Okay. Um, well, yeah, this is, I think this kind of adds into the fact that they have confidence in it, a lot of confidence in it, and they're pushing up and they, and they also want to get the, um they want to get this, this train rolling so they can get to Aquaman and then start the the new movies coming in and, I'm curious if the, we'll see if there's any reshoots or how that plays. The ending is going to be very interesting. What could very well happen, by the way, I don't know if it will. I don't think it will. But what could happen is, with enough conversations with Ezra Miller, I think it's a massive risk and a dangerous risk, Ezra Miller could stay on board as the Flash. James Gunn and Ezra Miller are, are friendly, apparently. Um, so maybe they give Ezra Miller a shot. and it, it could happen is it is it no way no chance no there's a chance i think it makes sense for them to cut ties because they have an out with the with flashpoint they have a they have a, an out with the multiverse and change it up but we'll see if they're going to do it but as, as they said in this report i heard i saw i had heard from somebody who actually saw a test screening of it and said it was just incredible like incredible that he couldn't believe how good it was, and that Michael Keaton was outstanding in it. So that's a uh, that's a good thing to be excited about. And now that they're pushing it forward, they got confidence in it. It's going to be one of their big summer movies. I'm very excited for it. I was excited for when they showed the trailer at the DC Fandom, what was it, a year and a half ago, or whatever it was. I'm excited for it. I can't wait to see it. I'll tell you what else I'm excited for. I'll tell you that. Uncommon Goods. Have you guys been uh, paying attention to Uncommon Goods? I saw some people that were shopping, on there and said, Hey, I, I I spent, you were right. I spent a lot of time on, on common goods. And I, I wound up buying a lot of Christmas gifts. You should, because everybody, I'm I'm terrible at gifts. I'm so bad. I'm really bad at gifts because I always get like this uh, gift cards. I'm not good at it. And I get the boring, basic kind of bland gifts. I'm not doing that anymore because uncommon goods, my secret weapon, it can be yours. It's here to make your holiday shopping stress-free and you scour the globe for the most remarkable and truly unique gifts for everyone on your list. Whether you're shopping for your secret Santa, your entire family, Uncommon Goods knows exactly what they want. There's so much good stuff, whether it's the kitchen stuff. I keep telling everybody about this cheese board that I got. Love it. It's great. And there's other stuff you can get, necklaces and jewelry, obviously jewelry and a lot, a lot of different things. You, you can see just just alone on that. They have like cool retro gifts and clothing. It's It's awesome. When you shop at Uncommon Goods, you're supporting artists and small independent businesses. They look for products that are high quality, unique, and often handmade or made in the U.S. Every purchase that you make at Uncommon Goods, by the way, they give back a dollar to a nonprofit partner of your choice. They donated donated more than $2.5 million so far. It's a lot. It's great. And you want to get 15% off your next gift, you have to go to UncommonGoods.com slash big thing. UncommonGoods.com slash big thing. Get 15% off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. It's uncommon goods. We're all out of the ordinary. Go and do it, man. Go and check it out. Please let me know when you do and if what you got and what, how your gifts go over once you give them at the holidays. Um, cool. Like I said, those are the two topics as far as DC goes. Pretty DC heavy today. I want to know your thoughts. Please comment and tell me your, your thoughts right now. Um, and now I want to get into a part of the show I'm very excited about. As I mentioned to you guys, A lot of you know at this point, like, you know, obviously I met, well, I met Mark at a barbecue. um, And he actually had Fortune Feemster's haircut when I met him at a barbecue. Um, But comedy stores where I met a lot of my friends, had a lot of great conversations on I went to Mark's show not too long ago, not too long ago, Saturday. uh, Ran into my buddy Eliza Schlesinger, who I haven't seen in a little bit. And um, that was nice catching up with her. But after I had stopped doing stand up, I stopped. Going to the comedy store because it was like going. I felt like you know going to a gym and you just keep you keep getting the urge to go back and this and it was it's a stupid mental thing that I that I do to myself, but with doing that I I missed out on a lot of the up and coming and newer comedians who have had found a lot of success and one of them is is Fortune Feemster, um, as I mentioned to her and I mentioned to you guys up top I first noticed her in uh, the Mindy Project, and you see her now and i got a chance to see watch her special before i before i interviewed her and and i tell her as much inside it i was i was i I, I was surprised as much as how much i related to her stuff it was she does an excellent job of doing that and that's kind of her intent i don't want to ruin her answers to to, to to the interview so as i mentioned again please comment um get to know fortune if you don't if you already do enjoy it it's a great conversation but comment like the episode do all that and i'll see you guys on uh, on wednesday tomorrow and uh, with, with sith council but also check around that uh, the avatar way of water out of the theater reaction that'll be up in a little bit so please 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 enjoy my conversation with the very funny and uh, super super nice um fortune feimster there you go What's going on, everybody? I'm excited for this one. Um, thank you for joining me once again on the show. As you guys know, and you've been watching for a little bit, uh, I talked about for a long time that like stand up comedy was my it was my world, it was my life, it was my job, and and the comedy store in Los Angeles was my home base, and Mitzi Shore was my Yoda. And I got a chance to work with great comedians and watch people kind of blow up, whether it was Eliza Schlesinger and, and obviously Mark Ellis and, and Sebastian and all those peeps. And and the one thing that I've always regretted is afterwards, like leaving I, all those great comedians that are, were coming up afterwards, I, I I missed them. And I missed them. And one of them that I've talked about for a lot, and I've talked about with Mark, it's Fortune Feimster. And I have a chance to talk to her right now, her brand new special on Netflix is hilarious ladies and gentlemen here she is hello i'm sorry how are you
0: i'm good how are you doing this is deja vu
1: deja vu that's right um okay so let's let's get into this i want to know as far as stand-up comedy goes because yeah. I, as i was telling you b- beforehand um i i have a I had a chance to see a really great comedians as i was coming up and watching these people blow up and then i had yeah. first noticed you from the mindy project so mm-hmm. can you tell me how'd you get into stand-up
0: yeah, it's so trippy because uh, there, there are a number of people who only know me from acting and had no idea that I did stand up until yeah. I put out my first hour. Um, but yeah, I started at the Comedy Store uh, in 2007, which seems like an insane place to start stand up for the first time. Yeah. Uh, but I was already living in Los Angeles and I was doing uh, improv at the Groundlings and very much into that improv sketch world. And someone came to one of my sketch shows, and they were like, why are you not doing stand-up? You seem like you have a very specific voice. And I was just like, it just seems very hard, (laughs) a hard thing to do. Um, But I ended up taking a class, and at the end of that class, we did a a show in the belly room of the comedy store. And that's when I was like, oh, this is what I want to do. Was it Jody Miller? No, it was um Adam Barnhart. Oh, I yeah, you him. I, know, I know Adam. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. He used to have a show every Sunday night for yes, years. He yes, he did. And, um, and so
1: I met him with I met Cynthia Cynthia Levine and Adam. Yep. at the same. Cynthia Levine was my acting teacher when I first got out
0: here. Oh wow, she's so funny. She's
1: the coolest. And um, yeah, yeah. So that's awesome. See, you know, it's funny. It's right around two thousand seven. I was um. That's kind of when I was starting to transition out and get into this silly space mm-hmm. but i was actually i had performed in the or the night before all the rogan and uh and uh carlos oh, yeah. shit went down like the night before mm-hmm. but like that place you're not wrong in 2007 it was right it was kind of it was it didn't it's not the spot that it, it wasn't the spot that it is right now
0: no not yeah. at all no. it was going through a weird time when i started like a very dark yeah. energy
1: well <laughs> yeah, tommy
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, it was a. Uh, I I just thought that's how comedy was supposed to be. Yeah. Cause I, I didn't have anything else to compare it to. And it was like such a hard thing to like, um, make your way through that place. And the, there were, the rooms were like half empty all the time. And you were like, you know, performing to like drunk guys. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> it was, I definitely felt like I, I like, learned how to be gritty in comedy from that place which is funny because now i'm very much known for storytelling and positivity and lightness which is that's what i'm able to bring now that i have an audience but when you're coming up it's very gritty it's very it makes you tough
1: it's a gym it's the stinky yeah it's the stinky gym and it gets you tough because it was my favorite place to perform because as my and even i love i love la jolla la jolla is great but there's something Mm -hmm. about just the or at two in the morning in front of you know, six people. And yeah. it's just like, you, you've got, that's, you've got to train. That's how you train. That's, yeah. how, you, that's how you cut your teeth. And clearly from being, because you're, you, you, I can tell even from hearing what you're saying and watching your latest special, you're a phenomenal storyteller. You're, such a, oh, oh, you're just you. such a great storyteller. And I told you before we started taping how much I relate to your stories because I am terrible around the house handy wise. <laughs> I'm so well, bad at a fortune. It's, I'm terrible.
0: I love that you find it relatable because that's what I want in these stories. I don't want to just speak to like someone like me. I don't want to speak to just um, one type of person. I want to tell stories that do, you know, reach across different, different people and, and uh, where people can listen to these and see themselves in, in these stories, you know, at different points. Um, But yeah, I, I think when I did my first, I put out my first hour, sweet and salty, mm-hmm. um, in January of 2020, and that's where I really discovered how much I like storytelling. Um, because up until that hour, I was always working on half hours, you know, trying to get that Comedy Central half hour was right, always the right, goal right. Uh, when you're first coming up. Mm-hmm. So you're you're thinking more about punchlines and quick those quicker bits. And then once I got to do this hour, I was like, "Oh, I have a whole hour; I can really like take my time and tell like a longer thing." And and so I did that. And then uh, then after that came out, obviously the world shut down. Yeah. But then when things finally opened back up, I started my very first theater tour, and then I got to really lean into the storytelling even more. So that's why this good fortune special is a lot of stories I, and I
1: love them and that's that's my that's what I like the most as the type of comedy that I've always responded to that I enjoy doing myself and I and that's why I think and and I absolutely felt that watching because I think there is that kind of misconception from a lot of people, right? You see, like, because mm-hmm. you even say it inside of the special, which I loved. And that's just like, I am not I am not Butch. I'm just not. Yeah. I'm not. And, and <laughs> well,
0: I, like, look, I'm like in flannel right now. That's what I'm saying. I, that's what I'm I saying. I play the part very well. But if you <laughs> think I'm handy or uh, I, like, I, I am a, more of a delicate flower than anyone would ever assume.
1: I. I can tell from just talking to you that you are, but I, but I, but I, but I, same but but there is persona, right? And there's persona for mm-hmm. like whether or not it's an image that when you're on television or just if someone sees you. Like I didn't know, like I had heard, I've like Mark raves about you and people that I know talk about how sweet, sweet you are and what a nice person you are. But I was like, uh-huh. I but I've never talked to you, so I, right like, for, right away when I see and I, but i have seen your other special, but I, but but this one, I was like, okay, I can see how someone why why you would. Because that's very early on when you're telling people that, hey, mm-hmm. I'm not. Because I think it's for that. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's for that reason to do it up top, is to say, hey, look, this is for this is for everybody to realize. Because yeah. right away, <laughs> I said, okay, she's speaking my language. Because I <laughs> I call my friend, hey, can you hang up this uh, this picture? He's like, use a nail,
0: just yeah. use a nail. <laughs> Yeah, well, I also like the, once I know I'm going to film a special, I really like that challenge of uh, trying to make the hour um, a whole narrative. Yeah. I really like the, like, treating it like its own book, yep. kind of. Like, mm-hmm. here's the beginning, middle, end, and end. And so I wanted to set up in the beginning this, like, thing about not being butch. And here are examples about how I'm not. And here here's times that i really messed up and didn't step up to the occasion yeah um and you know just sort of the talking about the misses um in those uh life situations how i how i did not rise to the occasion uh and then i like to you know so you're on this journey with me and you're already bought into that like okay yeah that's now we've learned she's like this and then i I like coming back around and so, well, I'm gonna tell you this last story, um, and here is how I am, Butch. So, uh, <laughs> suck it. <laughs>
1: no, it's, it was, and
0: that's fun. That's fun for me. I like. I love that coming back around kind of thing,
1: and it's fun writing too, and it's fun too because, like you said, and and you've already gotten everybody on your side as well too, mm-hmm. and I think that what I loved is like as you said when you're interweaving when and then you even said how and and again another thing related to is I have, I have two kids I have a five year old and I have an eleven year old and you start talking yeah. about how like kindergarten and a, a kindergarten teacher and like having the when you had the hammer and I'm like yeah that's they that remind me of the <laughs> 80s remind me of those things but still like what kids can get themselves into and how tough teachers really have to be i took i took four 11 year olds to universal studios yesterday
0: oh boy
1: you're not you're not kidding although they were they actually they were actually really sweet
0: they did all right. They
1: did. I was expecting, I was expecting like Lord of the Flies or something. I don't know what I was expecting, but I, I was expecting, I didn't know what to do because on the way there, I'm like, I don't, I don't know how to relate. Like I say, Hey, you guys watched the Mandalorian? Like, no, no. And, yeah. and, and there, but here they are. And they're talking about which boys they thought were the most annoying. I'm just
0: like Yeah. You know,
1: but they couldn't have been sweeter, but it was, it was a lot of fun. But to hear you talk yeah. about that. And then I thought that your, your, your story about, um, and just in general, your 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 partner and how the and, and did you choose Chicago because of that that reason? Because that's where you guys met.
0: Yeah, I had done uh, my my sweet and salty special. I taped in North Carolina because it was very much about like growing up and figuring out who I was. So a lot of those stories started in North Carolina and happened there. So I liked having that personal connection to it. And then this this set, uh, even though I talk about other things, at the heart of it is. Um, a lot about my now wife, uh, and we met in Chicago. So I was like, well, this feels like a very cool, like full circle moment too. like having, yeah. ha- having it be here. And this is where we met and, uh, started this journey together. So yeah, it's been cool. Like figuring out the, those personal connections it did. It has, um, made it a bit of a tricky situation for when I do whatever I do next, I'm like I've run. I'm running out of stories. <laughs>
1: oh, you It's a matter. Of, it's a matter of where you're going to have it. What what place? What places? I know. Is I'm like right? I, I
0: I don't have a connection anywhere else right now. But but LA, <laughs> I guess no no nowhere else.
1: Uh, but well, North Carolina though was interesting too, and I wanted to talk to you about that because you you said you came out to L A. and you started performing stand up in
0: 2007. But when did you come mm-hmm. to L A. I came to LA in uh, May of two thousand three. Okay, two thousand three, which seems crazy to me now. It's not, yeah,
1: because you're you're an '80s kid, uh, and yeah, and
0: uh, I just was kind of figuring it out. I didn't really know what I was doing. I was doing uh, random jobs, and uh, then started as a journalist out here, and um, and then like two years into being here, I'd always like loved snl and like grew up watching that show and was always like doing the i would i would um video record uh on my vhs that's i'm really dating myself now um the the sketches and then on monday at at school i would like perform those for my friends so i obviously had that somewhere in me like that like draw to comedy um but i didn't think like you could do it for a living um but i had a really hard time making friends yeah. when i first moved to la and like i didn't realize how shut off everyone is here and if you want to be some someone's friend you got to really work for it <laughs> um and so i started taking improv classes truly as a way to make friends it was not a career choice did it work inside the improv crew because improv is about worked- as clicky as it gets I know it, Um, it did work because yeah. I, it was a series. I did a couple of things at the same time because I, I, long story short, I, it was like Christmas of 2004 and I, ca- I called my mom like crying, uh, or no, it was not Christmas, it was uh, right after New Year's, okay. 2005, and I called my mom just like, just kind of like, I am so bummed and sad here, I don't know what to do, why am I even here, I don't know anybody. Uh, and she, she just had a mom moment where she was like, you can come home that, I mean, that's always an option. Um, but if you really want to stay there, uh, you got to do something about it. It, You can't just like sit around licking your wounds and be sad and lonely. If you want to, if you want to meet people, do something about it. And so I like joined a bunch of like improv was one of the things I did. I joined a soccer team. Started playing a tennis league. And uh, by the spring, I had, like, all these friends. And we had this big barbecue in my backyard. It was like a whole different ballgame. I
1: love that. And it's so funny that you say that, too. Again, it's like, um, when I got out here in, uh, it was, see, I'll, I'll even date myself more. I got <laughs> out, I got out here in 99. So mm-hmm. when I got out here, I did, this, I, did I drove for a, uh, just a little bit around a week i was just driving around and i couldn't even remember the streets so i stayed yeah. home and just smoked a lot of pot and played nintendo for like <laughs> for like yeah. for like a week and i called my dad i said i'm moving back to new york everybody sucks here. yeah and and he's like and he essentially said the same thing he goes if you want to move back to mm-hmm. new york and you want to do it go ahead but it's like you're yeah but i know you and you're gonna kick yourself in the ass because you didn't try
0: yeah i mean because yeah that's the thing you just have to stick it out and 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 you do have to try it and there's no way to really get around not being lonely at first you're gonna be lonely anywhere you go that's new and you know you don't know people um it's just la is a you know even more different beast because (laughs) this whole industry is just you know built for different people but i did find that Uh, you know, even though I never was like quote unquote Hollywood, um, I felt like you could live out in LA and have a totally normal, happy life. Like my friends and I used to go play like, uh, um, what is it called? Ultimate Frisbee, like every Saturday, like goofballs, you know, Griffin Park. Yeah. Like I wasn't going to like these big Hollywood events. Like we were like, let's, you know, get a drink and play ultimate Frisbee. It was like very normal, um, no, normal silly times while trying to like be a comedian. You want to stay, you try to, stay, and you want to
1: stay grounded because it's the same, the same side of that you see, because you see the other people who got him to get caught up in it and they want to go and they're yeah. like, I want to go to that party in the house in the hills. I'm like, dude, you have $33 in your account.
0: And it's yeah. like, what are, you, what are
1: you talking about? And it's like, so those moments and and being up because by by staying grounded it also i should go backtrack a little bit because of what you're saying the same thing conversation you had with your mom it's -hmm. yes you want to go after it but you also got to make sure that you really want it right and Mm -hmm. and that was the thing is like and and i and i'll be completely honest with you the other night i had a conversation with my wife i went to mark ellis's taping i ran Mm -hmm. into eliza schlesinger who i've known for 20 some odd years and I told my wife mm-hmm. when I got back, I was like, I do have that thing where I was like, should I have given it up when I, when I did, you know, and it's like mm-hmm. you're, when you're around it as a fighter and you're seeing these things that you're going through, but it's like, but it's because of people like yourself, people like Eliza, people like um, Mark, and you see, it, it, there's no difference with the grind when you're starting to the grind yeah. where you're successful and you have two Netflix, you have two Netflix specials and you're doing all these things. So tell me about the grind now. Tell me about like what, yeah. what it is because, yes, you have a different grind than when you were here in 2003, mm-hmm. but now there's, there's um, I would assume, even more pressure sometimes on you.
0: Yeah, the grind has never gone away. I mean, it definitely is a job that requires all hands on deck. I mean, my whole life is working, even though I have – Uh, I'm very lucky I have, you know, good friends and and my wife and I'd really try to find balance. I I am a workaholic and so I work all the time. And when I was coming up, it was a lot of like doing, I was constantly performing like tons of shows all the time, never making a dime. But that was all the grind that I had to do to get good at it. Um, And then once you finally get those breaks, then you're just trying to like uh do shows all the time to you know like touring becomes a thing like I started touring in 2010 uh it's funny because like I'm friends with Bill Burr and and I started touring like 2010 and I remember running into him on a plane and like and he's always like been such a good uh, awesome supporter of my stand-up and always complimentary but I saw him on a plane in like I don't know 2018 and He's like, where, where are you coming back from? I was like, I oh, was, you know, headlining uh, whatever club. He's like, you're headlining? I'm like, Bill, I've been touring since 2010.
1: <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and, and time goes so quick with it, too. You know, it's like a blink of an eye, and next thing you know. Yeah. Like, yeah, Well, sure. it's,
0: it's just because as stand-ups, we're all on the road. Like, we're not really, I guess now you're kind of clocking what people are doing more because of social media. Yeah. But before then, like, you didn't, like, comics were just off. Yeah. you know you would see them at the store or the improv or whatever during the week but you didn't know like where they were headlining or you know that they were touring so we were we all kind of living in our bubble but yeah i mean now it's the grind is just like oh well now now i gotta make the next hour better than the last i gotta you know i gotta live life too because i gotta tell stories that are about life because that's what i like to talk about um, you know, then there's like it's the business of it now, mm-hmm. it's a business, it's not as simple as the days of like, oh, is it the groundlings writing sketches to one in the morning and right. doing right. shows at the store? Now it's like, oh, I've got a you know, a, this this entity thing that you got to keep going and fueling and yeah, trying to be creative still.
1: Well, it's also funny because like you look at how different it was, and, and then like just being a student of the game we watching with watching all this with stand up, how it was back in the day. Like you talk mm-hmm. about, talk about the eighties, like whether it was with Carson and all and, and, these things that you had to do in order to make it back then are significantly different to what people are striving for now. And then with the mm-hmm. addition now of streaming, as you're very aware of, of the stuff like Netflix has changed the game with, with standup comedy tremendously. Mm-hmm. And it's a matter, as you said before, with like say comedy central doing those things. It's now it's, it's how many specials you have on Netflix, how many, right. how they did, how many people are looking, but you also, you're not only just doing um, standup, you've got, you've done movies with Netflix, you've done these other things. So how did you first form your relationship with Netflix? Um, and, and what's your experience been like so far?
0: Um, yeah, to, to talk about the first thing you said, it is weird. Stand up. Is that, is that one business where it's never enough to have like one job? Right. It's like, everyone's like, well, what else are you doing? You're like, is this not enough, you know, radio show, podcast, movies, TV, stand up writing. It's like, we're, but that's, I think the hustler in all of us, we like to have our hand in a lot of different things. Um, I, with Netflix, I think that relationship started. Um, it would have been 2017. Uh, they were art. They had already been doing specials. I remember people putting specials on the platform, and I was like, "Oh, that's like really cool." Yeah. Um, and, and they they definitely like they. I feel like in the 2017 18 eras when they really started doing that bigger push with stand up. Mm-hmm. Um and they were doing half hours. Um uh, it was season one of the stand-ups, it was called. Okay. And uh they had five spots for um it was mainly it was meant to be for comics who were like good comics but weren't quite ready for the hour yet. It was like meant to be the stepping stone, mm-hmm. and so I somehow they they reached out and offered me one of those spots. Um and so that was my first taste um, with the platform. And that was really cool because it was worldwide. I had not been on anything worldwide before. Um, and then from there, I, I think like a year later, I was like, ready to do that hour. They're like, no, you're not. (laughs) Um, because that's when it was like really popular and everybody was, you know, not that it's not now, but it was like, everyone was trying to get specials. And I was like, oh, man. So I was basically told no. And um, it forced me to, like, go back on the road and just grind for, like, the next year and a half. And uh, what I thought was ready a year and a half before um, and what I ended up filming for Sweet and Salty were so vastly different. It was like such a – that no was such a blessing in disguise. Um, because it it forced me to make that material undeniable, um, and uh, so right around I think it was uh, it would have been 2019. I started doing the radio show with Tom Papa, mm-hmm. um, for Netflix on Sirius XM. So that radio show and the hour special came together kind of at the same time. He's, he's, and that is, that's what really started that relationship.
1: Tom Papa's hilarious, man.
0: He's, he's so funny. He's hilarious when
1: I was, he, yeah. I, he I, ju- I, sorry, go
0: ahead. He, he just texted me that he threw bread over my fence. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you could have put it on the porch, you know? He's he's like, it's in the bushes somewhere. I'm like, okay, thanks. <laughs> hey, if, if you were working on his hook shot. Uh, I love, yeah,
1: when I, when, I don't know Ellis and I were shooting something and we came back to the store and he was up and he's just he's just one of those guys you just watch like who who are yeah. you? Who, because every comedian you know, it's it's whether whether people talk about it or not. There's like it, it's not a disrespect, but it's like you when you're around it a lot, like when you're at the store and at the OR, sometimes you just kind of find a mm-hmm. drift out. You're at the bar, you're in the back talking to people, but yeah. then there's other comedians that you just can't help yourself, and you're like, I I gotta watch, and everyone's sitting in yeah. the OR watching. Who who would you find yourself watching on the situations like that?
0: Yeah, he's like a comics comic. Yeah. But because he's such a good writer, everyone's like, I want to like everyone we interview is like, I like worshipped you when I was in the clubs in New York. Uh, So that's always cool to hear. Um, I mean, yeah, I always love watching Tom. Uh, I mean, again, Bill Burr, every time I'm he's on a lineup, I like scurry out to the side to watch what he's doing, because I'm always yeah, there's certain comics that you just like you're like, I want to know their take on things. Sarah Silverman's one of those people. I always am like I never know what she's going to say or what she's going to talk about so to me that's exciting. Yeah. to like see when she's on a lineup. Um Those
1: are good yeah, ones. I mean, Those
0: are good. Ones. I mean I I've you know stumbled into the store when like Chris Rock's been there like Yeah. practicing bits or like he's got some major thing coming up and that's like such a treat. I got to see his show in nashville when he was like at the very beginning of his tour and like seeing it in that in that stage was really cool like and and seeing how he was working things yeah and then i got to go to the arena show in toronto and see like this the more um honed yeah act and that was really neat seeing someone at his level the both sides of it how did ingram Um, do that night, how did what Rick Ingram do? Oh, he was great. Well, Rick. you know, he's so known for his crowd work. Yeah. I mean, anyone that goes to the store a lot has seen Rick's uh, crowd work. And, and when I was coming up, that he, he was like, he would crush he's every time. Best. Um, yeah, he's so quick on his feet and yeah. stuff. And I was like, how's this gonna work in a arena? Um, but he he did it, it was he's, awesome he's
1: like a musician man i don't know how he's able to do it mm-hmm. but he's just so he's so fast so yeah rick rick was i was so i was rick tells this all the time but so you know most people when they're working at the store um <laughs> they, they work at the store they want to get made regulars and so they'll work they'll work the store and then just hopefully get a regular and then they quit and then they start doing spots i yeah. think i might be the only person that became a regular and then started working there um oh and, yeah and, well rick gives me shit for it all the time because i was there the you. worst worker in the world i would fake i would I, like they you know they had that big la the shaky ladder with the awning and i would i just, yeah like, tell dean that like i had uh i, was, I said oh yeah I'm, i have fear i got fear of heights and he's like no, oh my god hilarious like, no you don't and, <laughs> but i did it because at the time you could do the employee spots and you could do oh I, yeah like a whole different bunch of spots but rick was the best man rick rick and i just would fuck around he's he's hilarious but it's just um it's amazing. Yeah. So how much, though, but I, it's, I want to go back to what you just said, though, about when you were told no on that special and then you go out. Mm-hmm. And I think you said the key word for people, for anybody who's wanting to do stand up, thinking about stand like stand up. Mm-hmm. It's what you said there. It was that you, ha- you were told no, but you had an opportunity. It was like you had this car, but you didn't have all the parts in it that you mm-hmm. thought that, that that you thought you did. And then you started yeah. honing it. Now you have like this fucking fast and furious car that you, <laughs> you have now. And it's like, it's, it's, it shows you how important working out is.
0: Well, I see it a lot with the comics coming up behind me. Cause I mean, I'm still no veteran. I mean, you know, I feel like in comedy, you have to be in it like 25 years to be considered a veteran. Yeah. Um so, but, but you know, the comics that are coming up trying to get their first hour uh, with the with Netflix, you know, I I'm always encouraging them to, you know, uh, just go make it undeniable. Like that doesn't necessarily mean that they will still offer you one. Someone will, or you'll find a place for it. There's so many outlets now, but you know, a lot of people get very antsy because I think because social media has created this um, like now I want it now, give it to me now. I want to be known now it's taken a little bit of the journey away. Like, you know, you have to build yourself. You have to build your act. You have to get better. Yep. And unfortunately, you know, all of us think we're ready when we, you know, we're like, I'm good. I got it. People are laughing. I'm selling tickets. Come on. Um, and then other people are like, no, you're not. And you kind of get that like door in your face Um, but I, yeah, I'm always saying to my friends, like, just go, go on the road. Yeah. Like they, they can't take that away from you. Go on the road, do, do all these clubs. You will in even six months be a better comedian. Absolutely. And, and your material will be that much more, you know, um, it will just be so much, um, what's the word, uh, tight. It'll be tighter. Yeah. Yeah and polished and the punchlines will be there. So it's, it's a bummer to get the nose, but sometimes it is a blessing. I
1: agree with you. And I think that it's, it also makes you stronger and it goes back to what we were talking about with with the, talking about whether you're going to leave or not, or stick, stick it out. It's, it's the comedians Mm -hmm. that stick it out and try and grind. And you got to be able to take that, that shot of like I I did a I did a I got got start getting back up on stage recently and I went back up and mm-hmm. uh, on uh, in flappers and and I nice. was and I was there but I was there but and I had and I had done a set and I told my wife this and I was drawn the drive back and I want to and and as I was driving back I said, you know it was the it was a weird set because I felt two things I felt the oldest that I've ever felt on stage. Because there was was a crowd of like twenty-two-year-old, I am like, who's married? Uh Not a fucking peep. (laughs) Packed house, not a peep. And I was like, oh, and I am all material about my kids now and everything too. Yeah, I stuck, but but then there was something that didn't go well. That at twenty-five or twenty-six, I would have either taken it the wrong way, done a different thing, or tried to maneuver the audience to think it was funnier than it was. And yeah. this time I was just like, well, no, do this. And I learned more about myself. And I said to my wife, it was just a lo- such a learning experience of doing that. Going, mm-hmm. I from going, Whether it's talking into this stupid thing every day or whatever it is, you learn about yourself and you got to use yeah. that on stage. Clearly what you did in this special, um, and I got to ask you as I bring out my wife, I got to ask you about Jax, who you talk about um, mm-hmm. uh, a lot. What, how, yeah. How is she with you? Because my wife is – like, again, just, uh, she she's a saint, but has to deal with the comedian side of me and the thing of that. <laughs> right. You know, you know, the, am, am I good enough? Have I done this? Am I able to do this? And these is this funny? Mm-hmm. Is this not? How does she how does she handle it? And how is she kind of like um, an inspiration or does she do her own thing?
0: Yeah. um, I mean, when I met her, like I said, in the thing in the special, she was a kindergarten teacher, yeah. had been for like 13 years uh i met her in chicago so like la and certainly the comedy world were very foreign to her like she did not not know anything about the business and so when she moved to la she, it was very scary for her like yeah. i don't you know i think i know this person they seem like a nice person but what if they're like you know even her mom was like what if she's like some la hollywood party person <laughs> uh so she didn't really know what she was getting into but yeah. then she realized yeah i am boring and you know, not not very Hollywood, um. And so, uh, as we've been together now seven and a half years, yeah. like you can't help but become engulfed by this whole career because it's so time consuming and and life consuming. So now she's very um savvy with it. You know, she's uh a, my go to person about advice, and yeah. I don't take there's very few decisions if any that i make without her um when it comes to you know especially the big career things um she's very involved she was an executive producer on both specials because she toured with me yeah uh, a ton and would give me you know notes and she's like she's not a comedian but she can see if something's like struggling or or she'll remind me of, like, we'll remember this, what happened to us, this place. So she's, she's all in, did which she, is really lovely. Did she,
1: uh, like, kind of go back with you on that story? Because the story about how you proposed was hilarious and the, the, with the <laughs> freaking, uh, What's his face from Beauty oh, and the Craig. Beast? Oh, Craig. Yeah, Craig was. That was just because I could it's see. All it. true. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it was. And I, I I like, you...
0: exaggerated him a bit, but other than that, yeah. But I'm, I'm true. sure.
1: But I mean, but I can. But again, I, I felt like the way that I was looking at it when I was watching the special, I said, can I picture myself outside with fortune as she's telling me this story? And the answer was a hundred percent. Yes. And I was like, you could just see it where, because it's a, it's that conversation of, as, because you, we exaggerate stories even when you're not mm-hmm. on stage. Right. And that's anybody. Right. And it's like, if you want to, if you want to try to tell further out the story of what this person was doing, but did, did Jax have a, have a, a lot of input of, Oh, remember when he did this or when he did that? Or did you just recall that story? Really? I
0: adept? just, re- yeah. well, I didn't talk about that story for, because I, I proposed that now it would have been like that would have been like 2019 maybe okay um and i didn't talk about it for like two years or something um because it was a failed even though she said yes it was a failed proposal by any other account you know and so there was a little bit of embarrassment probably around it and like not it not going how i wanted it to go and how i was hoping it would go Um, And then I think it was during I started working on it during the quarantine um, where it was kind of like, well, I mean, what do I have the world could be ending? What do I have to be embarrassed about? Like you just tell your tell your stories. I'm so glad you did. it was hilarious. It was really good. Yes. So I just started I just started um, working on it with the bare bones. And the beauty of touring is that every time you do a show, you add to it, add to it, add to it. Um, until it became what it is and the fun thing about this special and i did the same with sweet and salty is after it comes out i'll start posting various pictures of these things that i talk about and people are always like oh my god i can't believe that was real i thought you made it up it was sounded too crazy to be real and i go no here like and i do that with all the stories and it's so fun to have that what about the momoa what about the
1: momoa story
0: very true too <laughs> That's yeah that was during that was also during quarantine uh,
1: because i looked up uh, as soon as you as soon as you told the story i looked up his picture on the side yeah. of the road and i was like <laughs> and the fact that you liked it was even he, better
0: he posted their picture because i went back recently to look at that weekend because i was like i know it was like july of 2020 it was kind of like we were in quarantine but things were people were starting to do outdoorsy things yeah and um I, cause I remember the time he posted him on the side of the road on Instagram. Yeah. Um, f- for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, I, uh, passed by a car, a, a big van broken down on the side of the freeway and it was Jason Momoa and he was shirtless. <laughs> and I was impressed with being a lesbian that I even recognized him. <laughs> um, but that's right. how beautiful he is.
1: He's a um, specimen. He is a specimen. And
0: and I, I go to, t- to my wife, I go, I'm pretty sure that was Jason Momoa
1: it was hilarious oh, it, i think my you're good i got you
0: i think my my internet was cutting that off for a little bit um but yeah it was a very true story of of passing by him and it being like that's the like to me it was so funny cuz he's like the fantasy for every straight woman i know like who, who who had like i feel like they would all have this fantasy of him shirtless stranded in the desert <laughs> you know <laughs> and i just kept driving <laughs> and it, it sounds so cold it sounds so cold when i tell the story but the reality of it is he was you know had a whole group of people with him there was like two vans they yeah. had like they had a trailer of um the dirt bikes or whatever you call it he was fine <laughs> that was so good.
1: It was, a, that was great. Um, you guys really need to check out the special by the way. it's good fortune. It's on Netflix now. you can check it out uh, it's really it's it is really good and as I, as I said, a uh, lot of relatable stuff there and um bef- before I let you go, fortunately I do want to also, also you know um as I mentioned, you you had done a lot of Netflix movies isn't some Netflix movies mm-hmm. also, and you worked with uh, Jenny Ortega who's blowing up right now.
0: I know. I was just thinking about that. I did uh, this movie yesterday with her and Jennifer Garner. I I got to know her a little bit, not super well, because I only did like four days on the movie. But I just remember like, oh, she's just so sweet and down to earth. She seems like she comes from a a cool family that really cares about her. And um, she just seemed to really have her head on her shoulders. And I could... And that's why, right when like she was starting to get more and more stuff, I'm like, this girl is gonna blow up, and she well, certainly is. It's cool up, to see. All the place
1: Wednesday and everything that she's mm-hmm. doing. So that's, uh, that's, uh, that's, that's massive. So I'm glad to hear that as well. And then the other thing I wanted to ask you about is that I have a lot of uh, fans who were big uh, Soul fans. And uh, oh yeah. And you know, you, you were able to, to, to voice, you, did, you had a voice there. What what did mm-hmm. how what was your experience? Um, because you were you were counselor Jerry.
0: Yeah, I was. One, there was like six of us that yeah. were counselor Jerry's. It was a very, very small part. Um, but listen, I, I as I've learned from that experience, I will do anything, uh, any part in a Pixar movie. It was one of the coolest experiences I've ever had. Yeah. And even when you're like, I'm this tiny part, and they treated me like I was the star of the movie. I love that. And I was like. I, I would be shocked every time like they they invited me first off to to record up at the studios which I was like uh, yes please I mean uh, yes yeah and I had lunch with Pete Doctor who directed it yeah, and directed yeah. tons of tons the movies of and uh, the writer Kim Powers and uh, and then I went uh, so we're just I'm like again the tiniest part and we're and I'm having lunch with these guys and then I go record um and then they take me on this the the uh, they take me on a tour of the whole campus and i get to see these animator booths they like give me presents for my nephews um cool. i mean it was incredible and then obviously it was supposed to have this huge theatrical release and the, it came out during the pandemic yeah. and but they were like the producer dana who's amazing and pete would like email me to let me know what's going on i'm like you guys don't have to let me know anything but this is so cool so cool. like a
1: relationship to have as well too i mean that's it's awesome
0: amazing and yeah. and dana came to one of my stand-up shows in new york it, i just felt like uh, and then we did donnell and i did like a fun thing for them during the pandemic uh, for one of the awards they got and yeah. i don't know they just really make you feel special and and i i love that because those movies have such heart yeah So to know that the people that work with, you know, that company also have a heart and are lovely and kind just made me like it was probably one of the highlights of my career so far. I love
1: hearing that. And then so speaking of that, so you've got the radio show with Tom, you know, Mm -hmm. and obviously the, the Netflix relationship, the special that's out now. What what else can we be looking out for for you at the moment?
0: Um well, I have two things I'm starting a brand new tour um the live laugh love tour that will start the end of january all um all new material I'm writing that act as we speak so a lot of new stories uh and this what's up on my website right now is a very early list of dates we're gonna be doing tons more cities um but the reason why we held off on booking the rest of the tour is because uh I filmed this uh Netflix series um with Arnold Schwarzenegger uh that will yeah. come out sometime in oh uh twenty three. Um it's a really huge action adventure. Uh, t- eight eight I think eight or episodes, I'm not sure. Um I can't
1: I can't let you leave now. I fun. have to ask you about
0: I things. know. I know. <laughs> I spent 5 months in Toronto filming it all summer. Oh my summer. god, how fun I was that? Fi- I filmed my special while I was doing in the thick of the show. It was crazy. I love um, it. Oh my so, god. So yeah, we're oh waiting god. to see if we are lucky enough to get to keep doing it.
1: Okay. Uh can you talk about that show at all or not yet? <laughs>
0: I mean, all I can say is um, because they've been very hush hush about it. It's his first ever television series. Um, It's kind of like it's it's not True Lies, obviously, but it's got that air of it, like uh, where um, he and his daughter are in the CIA and don't know it. The other that the other one is in it. So it's that whole secret life kind of thing, Um, and it's just one big adventure it's kind of like an act it's like action for sure first and foremost and then co- a, com- a comedic element at times too it's like but it's not like a total comedy does that make sense it's yeah, more action forward i will absolutely but, be watching that 100 percent. so my character is brings a lot of the comedy which is cool yeah um and uh you like the tom Arnold i role? still get to kinda do like, action stuff like, like, tom makes tom makes a uh, an appearance oh cool i was um so yeah, I can say that only because they posted about that on Instagram. I won't. So. I won't ask anymore because I don't want to get you in trouble. But that's
1: that's that's awesome.
0: That's really that's great to hear because that sounds like a, that sounds like a lot of fun. Um, so fun. I can't, I mean, we don't know when it's coming out yet. I'm like on the edge of my seat because yeah. I you know I've never been a part of anything like that, and I did all this action stuff, and it's like people will see me in such a different light than they've ever seen me, and I just am so ready for it to come out but it might be i don't know it's those shows take a long time you know Yeah, it does but see, look
1: look, see that frisbee stuff paid off (laughs)
0: that's right that's right (laughs) Um, well it's funny that i just revealed that i'm not butch and in this special and then here i am having to play tough and Uh, like shoot weapons and stuff you're, you're an actor that's the whole. That's, that's right. The, that's Hopefully, the whole I pulled
1: point. it off. You, I'm sure you did. Um, thank you. So it was really nice to to finally meet you because, I, as I said, you I've too. been wanting to meet you for a long time, and I, I'm and now I have the opportunity to do so. And I and once again, guys, if you have not had the opportunity, please go and do it. Uh, good fortune. It is on Netflix right now. You really, really enjoy it. It's, it's, it really is a pleasure, and it's been a pleasure talking to you. And I hope to run oh, into you at the store. You. I'm going to start. I know time, for sure.
0: So. Well, it's been lovely, and I, I'm so glad we
1: met. Same here. And guys, thank you for joining me. Appreciate it as always. You know, do the Apple Podcast, Spotify, anywhere podcasts are found. Leave a comment. Do the whole thing, and check out Fortune's uh, website as well, and get yourself some tickets. Which is going to be in your area. You will oh. right All right. Thank you, everybody. Peace. All right, I wasn't lying. She's absolutely spectacular. What a wonderful, wonderful human being. Go and check out her special right now, Good Fortune, on Netflix. You can check it out. You can watch it. It's a great watch. So do that. And thank you guys for joining me here today on this very special episode of the Big Thing Tuesday episode. As I mentioned, we're going to have the Avatar Way of Water reaction in just a little bit. Going to see that today, so check that out. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't done that already. Hit that subscribe button. I'm trying to get to 70 by the end of the year. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere podcasts are found. Make sure you do it. Leave your comments. Do that. We appreciate you. And we'll see you on the flip side, everybody. Peace. Mm-hmm.